need connection, accountability, support as you explore the next level version of you, give yourself a real gift this year, the gift of time. The Warrior Women Mastermind is starting again in January, a curated group of six amazing women in a safe, collaborative setting. Think you don't have enough time? The money? Wrong. Ask yourself if you're worth three hours a month and $25 a day. The biggest discovery some of the women who sign up for my mastermind figure out is they have so much in common with other women and that they have traded their worth for a to-do list. Set up your interview call with me by going to lizswadek.com. That's L-I-Z-S-V-A-T-E-K.com. Space is limited and will sell out fast. Don't miss this opportunity to put yourself first. Women aren't born warriors. We become them. And the road to becoming a warrior is bumpy as hell. Each week, I'm interviewing women who, through tragedy and triumph, are leaping for greatness. Get ready to unleash your inner warrior. I'm Liz Swadek, and this is Conversations with Warrior Women. Today, we are going to talk about healing and thriving through and after divorce and what it takes to be successful in your marriage. I have been married 18 years, and believe me, we have weathered some storms. But my guest today helps women through divorce with a winning combination of strategy, healing, and tough love. There is no perfect decision when it comes to divorce, but it's interesting how we as women deal with it, the way we hide what's really going on, even from our closest friends, or we shun people because we feel like divorce is catching. The reality is When our marriage dream dies with our partner, we have to grieve. We have to feel it to heal it. Judging yourself for others is going to do nothing but keep you the same. It's going to block your awareness and your growth. It's important that we as women support each other in our journeys because every journey is worthy. Everyone's journeys are unique and they all take different turns. As always, radical personal responsibility is the answer. Ding, ding, ding. Your marriage is what you focus on, what you pay attention to, and what you're willing to be available for. Let's listen and learn about marriage, divorce, and more importantly, ourselves. Being an entrepreneur can be lonely. That's why I joined the Bra Network. That's the Business Relationships Alliance. Just like a good bra, the Bra Network lifts, gathers, and connects you to other like-minded entrepreneurial women with the knowledge that when we work together, we rise together. For me, the Bra Network provides the community, mentorship, collaboration, and empowerment I was looking for. From business, marketing, and finance courses to curated events to weekly Zoom meetups, the Bra Network works to advance women across the country. If you haven't joined... Now's the time. Use your special code, WARRIOR, for your discount. And join today at bra-network.com. That's bra-network.com. Today on Conversations with Warrior Women Divorce Coach, Allison Jeffries. Allison helps women who are struggling with divorce move beyond their feelings of grief, 
loss, and fear to recreate their lives and learn to live on their terms. In the aftermath of her second failed marriage, she began writing what was intended to be nothing more than a personal exploration and a validation of her own experience. What ensued was her best-selling book, A Woman's Guide to Surviving Divorce, which serves as the basis of her divorce coaching program. Welcome to the show, Allison. Thanks, Liz. I'm happy to be here. I'm so excited to have you because I know a lot about your story. We connected on LinkedIn and we've been, we've worked together in different ways, but I'm so excited to have you. You are uniquely suited to serve women going through divorce. Can you tell me about why and how you came to be a divorce coach and like, what's your divorce story? You know, you always got to start back at the beginning. So I start with my parents. My parents met when they were 14. They never dated anyone else. They dated all the way through high school, then through college. They got married the day after my dad graduated from the Merchant Marine Academy. They moved every two years when he was in the Navy. They were married for 56 years. Wow. And even for the eight years after he died, she still wore her ring. She thought of him every day. He was still her husband. So that's what I was raised with. As a woman, as a girl, you grow up, you get married. You live your life with this person, and this is the way it's supposed to be. And for whatever reason, I just thought that looked easy. So that was my goal in life. And I remember in fifth grade one day, a teacher asking the class, "What? Are, how many of you in here are going to go to college? And everyone raised their hand, except for me. And when she said, well, what are you going to do? And I said, well, I'm going to get married and have kids. And of course, the whole class laughed, and some nice little boy yelled, yeah, who'd want to marry you? Oh. So, you know. I showed him at least twice, right? (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, that, that was kind of my thing. Well, when I got to college, got my degree in psychology, I wanted to work with kids because I thought parents were already baked and you couldn't do anything to fix them. So I wanted to try and help make kids' lives different. But, you know, life works out the way it does. And I graduated from college. I moved to Texas because I liked men in cowboy boots. I was ready to get going. And I got here and got married about a year later and had my first son a year after that. And by two, two and a half years into the marriage, I realized it was, it was over. It wasn't a marriage. It wasn't good. Um, A friend of mine came over and we were talking and, and she was talking about her mother's story. And she said something, she said in the Lutheran church, which I was raised Lutheran, you can get divorced for three reasons, adultery, abuse, and insanity. And that was the day I realized I could leave him. Because we had all three going. I was there. I was like, okay, we can go. And so I made my exit strategy and I left. And I happened to be taking some real estate law classes at the time. So my real estate law professor became my attorney. I got divorced. Um, my ex husband had about a 30 second issue with me leaving because he really liked being able to pat my child on the head and put him back in bed at two o'clock in the morning when he came home. And he was going to miss that. Done. I mean, goodbye. I'm out. Yeah. Ciao. See ya. And so I moved on with my life and I said, okay, mistake under my belt. I've got this beautiful little boy. Um, my career was going along good and starting to move forward and getting promotions, you know, but the one thing missing was that family. And I didn't want my son to be an only, you know, only child with me getting married later in life and being separated from his siblings. For some reason that just freaked me out. So I go on quest for ex-husband number two and sure enough, he finds me. And he sees sucker written across my forehead and says everything I want to hear. He tells me everything I want to hear. And I believed him because I wanted to. 
So we get married and then, you know, and do procession, have my second son. And we actually did okay for about seven years. We did okay. My career continued to progress. His continued to digress. His job became shorter and shorter. Was that what kind of led to the demise of the relationship? Because he, his career was kind of on the downslide and yours was on the up? And no, it was just endemic of who he was. Okay. And, and his just, it was the tip of the iceberg. So we had the family discussion of, you know, I would like to be home and take care of the kids at some point. The only way to do it was for him to go back to college, get a degree and be able to earn money. So we spent the next seven years putting him through college. Halfway through when I realized how miserable I was and how things had not changed, him getting an education, him having the prospect of a career hadn't changed anything. And finally, he got his degree and still hadn't gone to work. And one night I looked at him, I said, hey, you've got to get a job. You've got to get a job. You've got to contribute to the household. And he left me. That night he left me. And we sat for a year, year and a half, two years, him living at his mother's house for free, me living in our house, covering all our bills and his. And finally, I said, well, he doesn't seem to want to come back. He hasn't tried to get back with me. So let's let's just get this done. The war was on. He liked life the way it was. He didn't have to work. He got money from me. He got money from his mother. And he was happy. And when I upset his little world, the war was on. Now, after my first divorce, I have to admit, I was dented. I was dented. After my second divorce, I was broken. Yeah. Here was the one thing I had always wanted. I was now too old to have any more children. I had two sons, both with different fathers, and neither of them all in the same household. Yeah. And, and you have that example on, of your parents, which you thought was easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the worst that, that really did me under was he was one of those people who felt like children had to choose a parent in the divorce. And he insisted that my son choose him. So I lost my son for two years. Hmm. My son literally in his cell phone next to my name, it said the bitch. In your son's phone? Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. So it was it was very, very hard. And I mean, it. I was rock bottom. Rock bottom. I may have been, had this great career and everybody thought that my life should be peachy keen because I had this great career and I traveled. But at the end of the day, I was devastated. I was miserable. I was scared. I was a failure. And I had lost everything that meant anything to me. Yeah. And it's, it's that moment. And the first, the first line in my book is everything you've known and believed to be your life is gone because that's exactly how I felt. Everything was gone. How do you rebuild from that? And that's where I started rebuilding and realized the common denominator here was me. You know, I enabled the men I married to be the way they were. I enabled myself to get into that situation. And I didn't understand what I should have done. And I was young enough to believe that there was still a chance for me. And I still wanted it. So I went on about a 10-year journey working on myself trying to figure out the equation. And was it hard? Because there's always an equation. 
A hundred percent. Was was it hard to stay single in that time? Because I feel like a lot of women, you know, even though we say, oh, I'm going to be single for a while and work on me, right? Like we say that, mm-hmm. but then, and I'm, I was guilty of this for sure. I was a serial dater. W- was it hard to stay single and work on yourself in that time period? Or was it like, oh my God, of co- uh, yes, I'm going to be single because I've, I'm going to hardline myself because I've already made these two kind of, in my mind, mistakes and I want to get it right. Mm-hmm. Everybody has that rebound relationship after they get divorced. And it's, Weird because it's the person that you need at that time to either kick your butt out of the hole that you're in or convince you that you have more worth than they think you do. It's never the right person because think about it right after your divorce, you're broken. You are broken. Even if you wanted the divorce, you're still broken. What kind of man would want a broken woman? A broken man. You're not going to attract a good man. You're going to attract someone that's as attractive to your brokenness as you are to them. That's an equation for disaster again, hence ex-husband number one, ex-husband number two. Okay. So for the first couple of years, I serial dated this one guy because we'd break up and get back together and break up and get back together. And it was all, he was a, he was a good guy, just not the right guy for me. And finally, I, you know, he's kind of that gift that keeps on giving because there were lessons that I learned when I was with him that to this day, I'm grateful for and how to manage myself, shall we say. One day I looked at him and just asked a simple question. I said, you know, do you want me in your life? And he couldn't answer it. He said, I don't know. And I said, well, then we're done. Well, now I meant at that moment, he thought I meant for the rest of our life. And when we clarified it, it still didn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I I had set that first boundary for myself of respect and worth. And from there on out, it was a much different trajectory. Absolutely. So I, I, for eight years, I didn't date. I had dates. I had fix-ups from my friends. My friends had a low sense of, of what I was looking for. And <laughs> they told me I was too picky. But well, that was you know what? Good. I knew exactly. That was probably mm-hmm. a good thing, Allison. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I, you know, I, I knew exactly what I wanted. And my answer to everyone out was there's a good man out there and he's looking for me. And my job is just to be in the right place where he can find me. So during that eight years, my book had set while I was going through my second divorce was when I worked for a women's financial education platform. And I traveled around the country talking to financial advisors on how to work with women. And so that kind of colored my mind frame at the time, the similarities and commonalities among women and how we think and make decisions. And since when you work for a bank, you can't work on your computer on an airplane, I had an iPad and I'd be typing away and every woman on the plane, what are you doing? And as soon as I tell her, I'd get advice, I'd get stories, I'd get questions. And I traveled every week, two, three times a week. So it was hundreds of flights, hundreds of women. And over the, that kind of year to two year period, when I or about a year when I wrote the first part of the book, it became not my story. But the story of a fictitious woman experiencing the process that all women go through when their marriage fails. And it's the grieving process, the coming to the realization process, and then the rebuilding. And so the book is not my story. There's my stuff in it, and I own it when it's mine. But mostly it's, it's about what every woman is going to experience in one way or another. 
right. and then what it what it means and how to deal with it. And uh, so I had written all but the last three chapters of the book because I'm a Disney fan and you have to have a happy ending. And I couldn't write the happy ending till I'd lived it. So about eight years later, I realized I was living the happy ending. I was on my own. My kids and I were doing great. I had my amazing group of wonderful friends. And I was happy. I was happy. And a month later, I met Jeff. And we've been together ever since. And he is a good man. And he's a good man because I've learned what a good man is. And I've learned what I am and who I am. And so I give him back what he gives me. I love it. Well, that, I mean, that's why I say you are uniquely suited to this work. You've, you've had not one, not two, two divorces. You've done the work. You wrote a book. You, you have basically polled women across the United States about their divorce journeys and how they got through things. And, you know, in this time, the, the ironic thing is the divorce rate right now has never been lower. It's, it's continuing to go down. But then I also wonder if that's because maybe financial reasons or, you know, in the middle of the pandemic, people are like, I can't take one more thing. So I'm not even going to open that can of worms or other, you know, people are out of a job, you know, whatever. So I, I think there might be. Well, it's, it's actually interesting because the overall divorce rates are lower. A lot of that is because for the last 20 years, marriage rates have been going down. I saw that too. Yes. Marriage rates have been steadily declining as well. So it's not, it's probably just correlating to that. Yeah. It's a math thing, but let me give you a statistic that will blow your socks off. Okay. And this is the one that when I learned it, realized how important it was. I do what I do. We all know in the United States, 50% of marriages end in divorce. That's easy. But here's the reality behind those statistics. 41% of first marriages end in divorce. You get to your second marriage. 60 something percent. And by the time you're at your third marriage, if you're trip, if you have the guts to do it, you're over a 70% failure rate. Yeah. The statistics are not in your favor. And if you're like me and it's something that in your core is important to you and you know that you need that in your life and you want that in your life, you really have to be prepared. Because the statistics are not in your favor. You're going to have to work. You're going to have to work to make it happen. 100%. Tell me, you describe yourself as a no-holes-barred advocate for women and their happiness. Tell me what that looks like and what that means. What that looks like is I'm the kind of person that I would rather lose a friend by telling them the truth and telling them what they really need to hear than by being nice and agreeing and patting them on the back. When I coach my clients, it's like, I, I, you know, hey, you're not gonna like to hear this, but I'm blunt, I'm direct. I don't sugarcoat the things they need to hear. So it's it's tough love, maybe, best way to say it. Yeah. It's, it's about not, you know, if people wanna make mistakes, they're more than welcome to. And I, I've been known to say to a client, well, you know, if you want to go do that, you know, you're not really ready to date yet. But if you want to go do that, that's fine, because you're going to pay me a lot of money to help fix this. And I'll be happy to take it. And I guess maybe that's not the appropriate thing to say, but it's the reality of it. Dating before they're ready, getting into the wrong relationship. It's going to twist them back up again. 
and undo some of the work that we've done. But everybody does it. Everybody's so like, ready to get out there. They feel like they're ready and they're usually not ready. Mm-hmm. I gotcha. But the payoff is when I get that phone call from a client who tells me they've met someone Mm. and they're like, are you upset with me? And I'm like, upset? Hell no. I'm ecstatic for you because you met them the right way. You've met them for the right reasons. And you're going into this with a clear mind of what you want. And if this isn't it, you're ready to walk away. And at that point, all I want to do is congratulate them. Totally. How does someone know if it's really over? You know, it's kind of one of those things. If you have to ask the question, you know, the answer. Mm. You do. It's just the slide. It's not, it's not when it's over. It's when you're ready to admit it's over. So the question I ask myself and I ask other people is when you're old, And you're that old couple sitting in a restaurant and he happens to start drooling food down his chin. How are you going to react? Are you going to be that loving woman and reach over with a napkin and wipe his chin and pat his hand and smile at him? Or are you going to be mortified and embarrassed and make a quick trip to the ladies room or ignore the whole situation? It's a good litmus test. You know, when I, (laughs) yeah, when I knew, looking at Jeff that I'd be wiping his chin and I'd hope like hell he'd wipe mine. I said, okay, this might be it. I love having you on this podcast because it's third time's the charm. You're going against the odds, all these 70, 70-ish mm-hmm. percentile divorce rate for the third time. What have you learned about marriage and what it takes to be successful? You know, and it's not just about marriage. It's about life. What I've learned is about life. I'm actually working on my next book and it's marriage 101 everything you should know but probably don't coming from a divorce coach there's a whole lot of stuff that people don't know that's a valuable damn book yes yes uh, there's a lot of insight in it and i'm interviewing couples that have been together for 50 years their stories what went right from the perspective coming where i come from of what did they do right that we didn't do and the reality is 99% of it that I'm learning from these men and women is the women held their own because, you know, whether you want to say women are stronger, men are stronger, does not matter in a marriage, in a relationship, you both have to be strong. It's like building a a tower of cards. Both cards have to put equal pressure to hold the other up. Now, in a marriage, there's going to be times when one person is going to fall down and the other one has to put in more strength to hold them up and vice versa. And you have to ebb and flow. But at the end of the day, it becomes an equal strength. And in so many cases as women, we get into the marriage and we abdicate any strength we have in that relationship. So it's about the women continuing to be who they are, speak up for themselves. Acknowledge when something isn't right. One of the things I had to say to Jeff up front is that I knew what I had done wrong was, you know, when I get upset about something, please forgive me, but I'm going to, I'm going to say it right away. Because if I don't, it'll build, it'll build, it'll build. And eventually I will hate you. I've done it before. So it's that 
for a woman, it's that matter of knowing who you are, knowing what you want, knowing what you'll accept, and just being clear for yourself and for them. Give them the roadmap. And for men, it's about doing the same. You know, it's not about, oh, well, I have to wait and see what my wife's going to allow me to do or if my, you know, I, it's not about needing permission. It's about asking for acceptance from each other. And that, if, if I could give it the quickest answer, would be my answer. I love that. Tell me, what keeps women from moving forward to actually divorcing? Does divorce need a reframe? Like, what, what, what are you seeing now when women are kind of like, struggling and going through this process? Well, unfortunately, it's, it's part of being a woman. So it's the way we make decisions. Okay, for a man, they need a pair of shoes. They know what size they wear. They know what brand they wear. They know what color they want. They get a pair of shoes. Now, Liz, you and I know that if our favorite shoes that go with our favorite suit, the heel breaks. What is going to take to replace those shoes? First of all, we're not going to buy the exact same shoes. Second of all, we have to decide, do we need those shoes? Can we afford those shoes? Do we have anything else in our closet that will go with that suit? And we have to exhaust all the possibilities of if we really even need shoes. Okay. Then when we need shoes, we go to the mall. Now, we know what store we usually find our shoes in. And that will be the last store we go to. We will go through that mall and we'll go in and out of every store and we'll try on hundreds of pairs of shoes and we may buy some, but we'll still go on to that last store till we get that pair of shoes. Because the difference is for a man, when they make decisions, they just need to make a decision. And they're equipped that if that decision wasn't the right one, they'll make another one. No big deal. For women, the decision has to be the perfect decision. Whether it's a pair of shoes or whether it's getting out of your marriage. And there is no perfect decision when it comes to a failed marriage, divorce, or leaving your family, a part of your family behind. Yeah. There is no perfect decision. There is no perfect time. There is no perfect situation. There is no perfect decision. So it is difficult because as women, when we're dealing as women in the work world, we got the male thing down. We can do the quick decisions and negotiate multi-million dollar contracts and know how to do it. But don't ask me what to cook for dinner. That is a problem for me. Okay. Because now I'm dealing with it from my woman's side and I'm trying to find the perfect thing. And that's why it is so, so, so hard because we're letting down our children. We're letting down our friends. We're letting down our mother. We're going to be embarrassed in society. What about the church? What about our business? What about our job? What about our finances? What about our health? What? So many things. Yeah. There's no perfect, there's no well, perfect I think we decision. we consider all the options. I don't think men even like think mm-hmm. that far. We're, we're thinking of all the options. We're thinking of that it's our personal failure. They're like, ah, oh, whatever. You know, they're like, they're, they're not taking mm-hmm. it on the, same, on the same level. What is the step, first step that women need to move from feelings of like failure and betrayal and fear? What, what are the first steps they need to take? The first thing they need to do is recognize they are grieving. Grieving. Okay. You know, and women say, well, I didn't, my husband didn't die. I shouldn't be grieving. And not maybe that they didn't wish he had died. It might've been easier. But the reality is they lost their spouse for better, for worse. He's not in their life. 
all of the things that a spouse does is gone and you're grieving. The second thing is you have to realize what you're grieving because women say, well, yeah, but he was a jerk or he cheated or he did this or he did that. Okay. But that's not what you're grieving. What you're grieving is what you thought you married. What was in your heart the day you said, I'll marry you? What was in your heart as growing up? What were your expectations? What were your hopes? What were your dreams? And the day you walked down that aisle, what was it you expected? As long as you're still married to him, that dream is still a possibility. The minute you get divorced, you don't know if you'll ever have that dream. And you're grieving that dream. And that's that critical step for women to deal with is to come to terms with what they're grieving. And to let yourself, Mm -hmm. right? To not just try to push through it, to let yourself grieve. And get that's why I loved your and all the things cry rage all the things that's why I loved your solo post last week because yes you you and grieving has five stages yeah and none of which are easy yeah and by the way those go in no particular order and those stages actually were people who are dying so those are actually not the stages of grief we think they are they're actually the stages of Mm -hmm. dying that people now think are the grieving and they think they have to go in a certain order and they don't you could be nope, pissed at nope. the start and then fall, away, fall down on your face, crying your head off mm-hmm. three months later. So that's yes. important to note too, because I think people get really locked into, well, what stage am I in? Shouldn't I be over this by now? It's like, no, hello. You know, no. like, no, it goes no. how it goes, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. All right. Well, I'm And, and one thing I'll, I'll add one thing real quick. Back in the day, women who lost their husband grieved for a year wore black for a year. Some women chose to wear black for the rest of their lives. That black dress, that black outfit was that symbol to the world that you're grieving, that you're broken, that you're hurt, that you're vulnerable. And people honored it. Yeah, they gave you your space. Women, yes, women today, we don't change our attire. We don't, there's nothing to protect us by being battered from the world while we're going through all of this. And other people's expectation of what we should be experiencing and what we should be feeling. And because we're women, we're going to validate. And we're getting it from all these places of people that maybe don't know, haven't done the work, haven't been divorced, don't know us well enough to tell us where we are. And then we're getting all these conflicting instructions. And, and that I, makes it a lot harder. Absolutely. And I that's a good point is that, you know, it's not like the outward world. I mean, some people who are even contemplating a divorce or starting that ball rolling, you don't even know, right? They're not going to tell you. Mm-hmm. They're keeping it a secret. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they've fallen off the face of the earth a little bit. You can't find them. They're not really socializing. Like, you know, or you can't get together as a couple anymore. And you're kind of like, that's weird. Like, but, you know, you don't know what people what's going on in people's houses. So it's really, Mm -hmm. it's really, really true. Well, I'm going to put everything in the show notes because I know any woman going through this would love you to have right next to them as they're standing in the fire. They would like to have you with your fire hose, you know, right next to them Mm -hmm. to get them through this moment. And I'll put the, also put the link to your book, which is brilliant. And I I think it's so valuable, but now it's party time. Okay, cool. Are you ready? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Mm -hmm. Speed round. What is your word for 2022? Content. Ooh, I love content. Tell me why. Content. I looked it up. I looked all the definitions up. Happiness, satisfaction, gratitude, calm, confidence, just all those things. You know, you, you chase happiness your whole life. 
until you finally get to the point where you realize you just have to choose to be happy. Contentment is the embodiment of all of those. It's being happy with what you have and where you are and where you're going. Well, you've earned that. Let me just say, you've earned that contentment. <laughs> <laughs> and I am there and I am there. Yeah, and I, love I know it. it. I know you are. Tell me a mantra or quote you live by. And I have told her that she can curse because we both, her and I both love to curse. So go ahead, Allison, whatever you want. It's fuck them if they can't take a joke. Okay. Tell me why. Why that one? Because people take themselves too seriously. And I can take myself too seriously. And, you know, the point is life is way too long to take everything so seriously. And so when things go south or things go bad or somebody's insulting me or whatever, rather than get angry or mad or whatever, I just, in my head, I say, well, fuck them if they can't take a joke and laugh and I'm fine. It just brings it down a notch. I always say levity for the win, because I think, you know, even in your darkest time, I have a friend that's going through a horrible grieving process. She lost her husband uh, very, very suddenly and very quickly to cancer. And her house is falling apart right now. Literally every time I call her, like the pipe bursts, the solar panel <laughs> fell off the roof. The, I mean, I'm talking about her house is blowing up. She just called me hysterically laughing. She's like, get this. I now have a gas leak. And I go, well, what are you going to do? She goes, what do you mean? I'm leaving the house to get my hair done. If that house blows up, I could care less. <laughs> I was like, I mean, she's got a guy working on it, but I was like, good for her. Like, you know, you get to some of these mm-hmm. points where you just have to say, all you can do is laugh. Like it's, it's ridiculous, you know, mm-hmm. all the things. So I think it's great. Yeah. What makes you feel unstoppable? I'm a person of faith. And when I know that I'm doing what I was put here for, what all the gifts and all the blessings I've been given in my life, they all add up to something. When I know I'm not wasting that. When I know that I'm, I'm doing good somewhere, maybe not everywhere but at least a little bit every day. That's when I, you can't stop me. You can't. It's just that strength that comes from knowing that you have something in you that's a value. Absolutely. And you are moving the needle. I mean, let me say, there's a lot of women out there that really, you know, they need you and they, they get that help from you. So what are you most proud of? What am I most proud of? I am most proud of the fact that I've done a lot of cool things in my life, but the coolest is what I'm doing right now. Because when I'm done coaching a woman, I get to give her a virtual hug and a virtual kiss and tell her I love her and then have a friend for life. And when I get those phone calls that say I've met somebody, I've gotten the promotion, I've just bought my new home. My son just did da, 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 da. My daughter just, I get those calls. And it's like instant, I'm so proud. I'm so proud of them and everything they've come through. And I'm proud that I was the one they called. Yeah. And you know, you do give tough love, but you give love. You're like a love warrior. So you may be (laughs) over there giving the tough love, but you definitely help people pick up the pieces, which is amazing about you. What is exciting you the most right now? I feel like 2022 is a clean slate for all of us. We have all been through hell and back the last two years. 
who knows where we're going over the next year. But I think if, if most people feel like me, it's almost like it's time to get over being scared and frightened and frustrated and worried. There's nothing I can do about the bigger picture other than hold my own. Time to get it back after it. And so that's where I feel like we are right now. You know, that this divorce rate going down, it may be over overall numbers, but I will tell you that over the next couple of years, it's going to go way up from the gray divorce, from the people that have been locked together, from the people that have lost jobs. It's just, it's, it's showing the chinks in the armor of relationships. And people are beginning to realize whether it's that life is too short or life is too long. It's a silly thing to do to waste it. And time is the most valuable resource we have. And, and we're wasting it if we're in something we shouldn't be in. And so I think 2022 is that year of fresh starts, fresh beginnings, new hope, new excitement. And for me, that's, that's a pretty cool place to be. Yeah, you're in a great place in your life. It's so fun for me to just witness you, number one. But also, I'm so glad you came on today because I'm sure there's someone listening today that needed to hear what you said today. And I'm very excited for your Marriage 101 book because I do think your your wealth of experience (laughs) is going to make quite a book for somebody who is thinking about getting married or dating or all those things. Because you know what? We all would like to know you know, what it would take to have a successful marriage. Even my friends who've been married a long time, we continue to refine that. So I really, I'm really excited about that. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me. I I love your podcast and and your energy and just the way you get, the way you're real. You just get to the bottom of what women need. And Right now, that's so wonderful to hear and refreshing. So thank you for everything that you do to help women. Awesome. Well, I'm glad to have you on today. And I know everyone's going to love this podcast. So thank you for joining me today. And remember to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review. This is the Conversations with Warrior Women podcast with me, Liz Swadek. Remember, every woman has a story. You just have to ask her. Bye. Bye.